Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, Inspirational Stories from Everyday People. Today I'd like to introduce again Zoanne Keck, who is with me, but she's brought a friend with her today that I would like her to introduce, and it's her friend today that has a story that she would like to share. So go ahead, Zoanne, why don't you introduce your friend? This is Dawn Iono. She was my roommate in college, and um, we've stayed close friends for all these years. It's been since 1984. And we've just always stayed close friends. And, you know, when we've been married, we've been close as we've raised our children. But she has got an incredible story that she's going to share today. And this is Dawn. Dawn, welcome. Appreciate you being here today. Well, thanks for asking me. I'm really excited to be here. I feel like I'm just a normal person. I feel like, you know, I don't have this big, great, wonderful story, but... But she does. Our stories don't have to be great, big, and wonderful, but they're unique to us. That's true. And so you have a unique story, I'm sure. I do. I do. So I am married to my husband, Marvin, and we have five children. And we just celebrated our 29th anniversary. And after we had our fifth child, and we had them all about two years apart, I was just perched on the ledge ready to jump. I was just, it was overwhelming for me. Five kids and our oldest was eight and a half. So, you know, young family. My husband was finishing up undergrad and then he went to graduate school in Boston and we moved around a lot and we wound up in Connecticut and our youngest was about four. And my sister, who is five years younger than I am, had four children And they were pretty similar in age. And she was going through a hard time with her marriage. She suffers from mental health issues. She's bipolar. And she was having a hard life. And their house had caught on fire. And there were just some other problems. And the state took away her kids while the state tried to figure out what was going on in the house. And so I offered and said, send me your kids. We'll take care of them and you figure out your life and then we'll go from there. So I flew down and grabbed the four kids and brought them back. And they were down in the South in Houston, where I grew up and we were in Connecticut. It was in February, 15 years ago, and they were freezing cold. They were so skinny. And our friend met us at JFK with coats for them. And that started our life with the family of nine kids. How old was your oldest at the time? He was almost 12. And your youngest was four and a half. Yes. The other four kids fit right into. Right. They were, in fact, we had doubles of ages. And so we had nine kids. Between 12 and four and a half. Yeah. In eight and a half years, if that was possible. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And in Connecticut, can I just say in Connecticut, we were an oddity. Because when we went to take our first family portrait, just someone in our ward was taking our picture and we went to this yacht club kind of thing and there were just some pretty foliage kind of thing and we were all kind of dressed similar, you know, kind of not matching, but, you know, for a family portrait. And a man came up to me and said, oh, what organization are you? And I said, we're family. We're family. (laughs) He's like, God bless you. And I said, he does every day. Every day, you know, so those first few weeks were hell. They were hard. 
which that's okay. I remember at one point, the kids were all crying, you know, someone wouldn't let them up the stairs, someone else was doing this and whatever, and just trying to combine the two families. And the kids had such emotional problems. They had physical problems, and they had medical problems. And so just trying to combine it all and my kids feeling like they weren't getting the attention that they once got from me because my focus was on my nieces and nephew, and that was hard on them. And my husband pulled me aside into one of the bedrooms and said, Don, I don't know if I can do this. And I looked at him and said, I know you can. This is going to work out. And I meant that with every fiber of my being that I knew that this was going to work out. And believe me, it was crazy dumb. I mean, the four kids were going to therapy three times a week. And I was going to therapy because I needed help. I needed help. I needed to emotionally throw up, you know, and just go and say, and then this happened and this happened. (laughs) It was craziness. But I felt like there was a mantle on my husband and I that we were given the ability to parent these children that we didn't have before. How old were you when, when you first took these children in? 15 years ago. So I was like, 41, 42. Mm-hmm. And you may get to this, but how long did you actually have your sister children? Or do you still? I'm, I'm looking at the way you're looking at we me. We still have them. Okay. So we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. We celebrate on February 12th. That first year, it was like, how do I put a spin on this? Because they would say, when is my mom going to get better? When are we going to be able to go home? And, you know, they miss their parents and... So I wanted to put a spin, a happy spin, that it was a year. And so we had this big party and invited everyone who had been in their lives, you know, for that past year and how they just helped and whatever. And so every year we have a party and we have a special anniversary cake and it's nice. So I'm sure that really, really helps those kids to adjust and feel welcomed and wanted. And can I ask about your sister and her husband? Whatever happened to them? Unfortunately, my brother-in-law took his own life. I'm sorry. He dealt with some demons, and he took his own life a little over a year after we had the kids. My sister, we always said, the ball is in your court. We want you to be a part of their lives. We need for you to go to therapy. And when your therapist feels that you are ready to be back in their lives, let's have the therapist work together come live by us, come whatever, and never happened. Never. Never happened. Do you still have contact with her? You know, yes. We actually are going to be going out to dinner in a few weeks, uh, all the siblings together, which will be the first time that I see her in 15 years. We talked on the phone often, especially when the kids were younger, but it kind of got to the point that she was pretty toxic for them. Okay. You know, we always had the thing of, let me know, you want to talk to your mom, please, you know, here, we'll call your mom. And she would call them and talk to them. But she had demons that she needed to take care of that she never addressed. And they soon got tired of the lies and the problems. And so, yeah, but they all are adults now. The youngest is 20. And they have chosen not to be a part of her life. 
but they have seen her, you know, kind of went and kind of had their say in peace with her. And so that's where it is right now. How did you prepare them while they were growing up with you with the thought that what their mother was going through and that the chance may be that she may never have them back? How did you work with your, your new stepchildren that way? So I guess I never thought of them as stepchildren. They were always my children. And I would say things like, you know, the work that you're doing when you go and talk to your therapist, her name was Laura, she became a part of our family. <laughs> and that work that you're doing where you're trying really hard, and you know, you're trying to learn new ways to think and to, you know, help yourself. And I would say your mom has work that she needs to do. And only she can do it. We can't do it for her. And you're doing your work, but she's not doing her work. And I'm really sorry. I wish she was doing her work because I want her to be a, able to be a part of your life. But right now she can't. And they would understand that, you know. So truthfully, when their father died, they were sad. But I think it was more of a relief. He was abusive and not kind. So taking him out of the picture, unfortunately, you know, they'll always have that loss of their father. But, you know, their mom just has those personality traits that just make it hard for her to accept responsibility and to progress right now. Right. And now that they're adults, you feel like they understand that and they've accepted that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But just even as a bystander watching and being her friend through all these years, it has not always been an easy road. In fact, very few times has it been an easy road. Raising children, period, is hard. But under these circumstances, I've watched and I've become close with the kids too. And she has done an amazing, her and her husband both have done an amazing job. Oh, I imagine. A few minutes ago, you said at one point you were on the edge of the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... In some ways, that's probably how it felt. Well, that was before they came, when I had the fifth child and was like, oh my goodness, what were we thinking? Five children, holy cow, you know. (laughs) And so I thought, my life is so full and I've just, you know, I'm overextended. And and I really do think it's perspective. Mm -hmm. People have asked me, how do you do it? And I have told them, you get up out of bed in the morning and you face the day, whatever is, you know, and there's 10 things that will come up and that's okay. You know, that's it is you have to just get up out of bed. That became your new reality. Yes. I mean, what were your options, really? There were no options, because if I didn't get out of bed, they would have surely come into my bed. (laughs) Right, right, right. And And another thing she kind of touched on a little bit, but when she said there was medical issues, there were some really severe medical, emotional, I mean, there was a lot of issues that she by right, could not give those kids back to their mom. Mm -hmm. There was sexual abuse, and that was why they were taken out of the home and investigated. And I think that's part of the reason why their father just died by suicide. The son, when he came to us, had not been getting the medical care that he needed, and he had cancer. It's called bilateral retinoblastoma, in which he lost his right eye because of it when he was three but he hadn't been following up. And so it had come back. So we went through that. The oldest daughter was undiagnosed on the autism spectrum. She was Asperger's. And there was just a lot of emotional problems. You know, everything from bedwetting to hitting, punching, 
I had the school call me and say, you need to come pick up your daughter or we're calling the police, (laughs) you know, (laughs) holy cow, you know, those kind of things. And so I had to learn to parent these children with this set of problems that I wasn't a part of. And I had to learn. It was completely different from the children that I birthed. I knew how to parent them, but I had to learn and grow. And a lot of that was I had to rely on my Heavenly Father. What is it that they need? What is it I need to do? I need to learn. You know, I had to get out of my comfort zone. I had to change to help them change. And I could see that before they came, that I was spiritually prepared for that. And right after they came, we were in Connecticut. My husband had a good job and everything was good. And it was hard. Three weeks after they came, my husband's company got bought out. And I thought, wait, Heavenly Father, no, 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 he needed a raise. (laughs) Because we weren't getting any money for them, you know. Like, no, 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 you got it wrong. He needed a raise, not less money, you know. And so that was really hard. And his contract, he was a consultant for a while. And so for like a year on a reduced salary kind of thing until he taught them what they needed to know. And then he lost his job. And I thought, okay, Heavenly Father, you got this wrong again. I didn't want the stone. I wanted the loaf of bread. Now, wait, what's going on? So, again, Heavenly Father, what's going on? And so, I thought, wait, we're doing everything right. We're doing everything right. Why is my husband not employed? But Heavenly Father has a plan that we don't understand all the time. And maybe it takes 15 years to look back to understand it. But My husband needed to be at home. He needed to bond with the kids. He needed to be able to parent them. And I don't think he would have been able to at the profession that he was doing. So, you know, Heavenly Father is always taking care of us. He has always given us what we needed, not what we wanted, but what we needed. And there are parts of the story that have to start way back when, but 15 years down the road, you see why that had to be. And a lot of my journey was relying on the Lord and knowing that He was in charge and that when things needed to happen, miracles would happen. Right. I'm sure they happened all the time. And now you can Mm -hmm. see them. I saw them when the kids were coming to us, the miracles that happened. Everything from my sister worked for JetBlue and got us six tickets on JetBlue, you know, to be able to fly the two kids. And my mom came to help with the transition and everything from our ward stepping up, bunk beds and coats and gift cards to Walmart. And, you know, just these things. It was just incredible. And, you know, we lived in Connecticut where the social programs were just incredible. And having access to these Yale University, That's that was the hospital that we went to. And they really did benefit from us being there and how I am so grateful for that. Obviously, growing up, all of us kind of try to script our lives, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go out on a branch here. Maybe it's not much yeah. of a branch, but you probably didn't script that into your life. No. But I'll bet you now, not knowing you, but sensing that 
Had you known then, you would have scripted it into your lives, even though it was hard. Aren't you glad we're not in charge? Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. We make all the plans and exactly and whatever, but I would have not had the joy and the growth and the happiness that mm-hmm. I've been able to experience, my husband and I, that, you know, and thank goodness we didn't get married till we were about 28. And so I think anyone else that I would have chosen beforehand would not have been able to be up to the challenge of the extra four kids. Mm. And he's Polynesian, so he's used to... Big families. Cousins, Mm. you know, coming and staying and whatever. And so this was not something that was out of the ordinary for him. And so, you know, Heavenly Father just provides. We don't always understand while we're going through it, but he provides. And it's exactly what needs to happen. Even though at the time we don't know that, but I've shook my fist. Uh, I'll bet you have <laughs> a few times. I mean, you called him out twice for being wrong. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's all. <laughs> oh no, that's just all I'm talking about right now. But let me tell you, I would go to the temple and sit in the celestial room and pour my heart out to him, and he would answer back. And so I once had a family therapist say, she was not a member, it was there in Connecticut, and she said, do you know that the kids are supposed to be here? And I said, of course, of course I know they're supposed to be. She said, have you ever prayed about it? And I said, no, I haven't needed to. And she said, would you pray about it and make sure that you're supposed to have them? And I was, well, okay. So I prayed about it, and I got chastised. Interesting. And because I I knew, I, I really didn't, I would not have normally prayed about that, It was, I have already answered your heart. And I knew, and I went back and said, nope, they are supposed to be there. And I just told her of the experience that I had. And, you know, I knew that beforehand. I I should have said, no, I don't need to pray. But, Mm -hmm. you know, just out of an exercise, I did. So I was reading in the Book of Mormon the other day, and in Words of Mormon, and just listening to you, these words came back to me just now. And the words are Mormon speaking, saying in verse 7, he said, I do not know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things, and he worketh his will through me. Yes. I think that's what happened with you. You didn't have to know all things. No. You just needed to allow the Lord to work through you to raise those beautiful children. Yes. And I'm grateful that he prepared my husband and I so that we could do it. Mm -hmm. You know, We were up in the Northeast. We were in places where they could really benefit. We lived in this town that was just so welcoming and so helping and just helped us raise. It really does take a village. It does. And we had a wonderful ward. And because we were in the Northeast, the ward was our family. And they just stepped up. Homework help. Help teaching things like sewing to my girls. And just things that because it was a constant go. And people were placed around us that really did help us meet the needs. Took a lot of trust on your part in the beginning, I think, because at that point, I don't know if you really knew how you were going to make this happen. No. Or how long it would how long right. it would happen. But I just knew that it was going to work. Mm-hmm. The Lord had confirmed that to me. 
So can I ask you a question? Yeah. After 15 years, what do you feel like is the, the hardest thing through all of this? What is your hardest challenge or your hardest experience? Guilt. Hmm. Guilt in feeling like I miss some things. You know, with nine kids, you know, you grew up in a family of nine kids. Eleven. Eleven, right. (laughs) But, you know, just there's one mom, and you divide your entire waking time to your whatever you have, and I just feel like I missed things, you know? I know that having the clan relationship that they were able to help and be intertwined and whatever and be able to help each other. But I do feel like I wasn't as good as what I wanted to be. I have another question for you then. Okay. What is something you would change knowing what you know now? I would allow myself to not feel like I had to be so perfect and that my kids didn't have to be so perfect. I've learned I don't have grandkids, but I just learned that it is okay. You know what? It's where you're headed. It's where you're headed in the road that you're on. It doesn't matter that it's not perfect. So I think I would have given myself a break and given my kids a little bit more of a break. I'll bet if you asked any one of those children... What's the best thing you remember from growing up? What do you think they'd say? I don't think they'll say, oh, I think I remember mom not being able to go to my ball game or, you know, or something. Okay, I left kids at the soccer fields before. I've left them <laughs> at church before. And truly, it was because they were all in whatever. They, you only got to be in one thing at a time. That's how I kept my sanity. So, you know, a sport or music or whatever it was, one thing at a time. And so I would go and drop off, drop off kid, drop off kid, drop off kid at the soccer field, you know, and then go back and pick up, pick up, pick up. I mean, that's all I want. I didn't get to watch, but about 15, 20 minutes, you know, and I would just stop at each field and just watch, 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 grab, run to the next one. So that was it. But it was good. You know, my husband helped out so much. He was such, he is such a good father. And just love the kids. And so, you know, I would tell them, I will cook if you run the taxi. So, you know, I cook from scratch and it was good. And she's a good cook. Well, I believe it. Well, I had to cook every day, you know, and for us, (laughs) nine hungry children and four of them were football players and, and we had lacrosse players and wrestlers and it was, it was good. Well, just listening to your story just kind of brings back to me that people are good. You experienced goodness in yes. your life, and you're good for doing what you did. I think a lot of people might not have been able to handle that situation as well as what I, I've heard. I always told my husband, you know what? I would love to adopt children. I would love, you know, I always had that in my heart. We had five kids, and I was thinking, of course, we're not going to adopt anymore. You know, I'm done. <laughs> so, and yet, I guess because my heart was open to that, there was never a question. There was never a question. And miracles, and just miracles that happened. I just come home from a week-long stay at the hospital having major surgery when my mom told me the kids were taken away. And I thought, okay, 
I recovered so quickly that three weeks right after that surgery, I was able to get on an airplane and go pick them up. I could not even carry anything in my purse because it was too heavy. So I really couldn't lift anything, but I was able to get on that plane and go get them and jump into it. That was a miracle. Just even the fact that DCF there, it was back when the polygamists, they had taken all those children away in Texas. And so they were really overloaded because of it. And so they usually would have to wait 30 days and they have to come check your house out and they have to whatever. And they just signed off on it and let them come. There was just miracle after miracle after miracle. So do I see Heavenly Father's hand in it? Absolutely. Was it hard in the middle of it? Yes. I shook my fist to the sky and wondered. Like I said, we always had enough. We just had enough. It was always provided in ways that you just never would expect, but there was always enough. Would you do it again? Absolutely. We did think about maybe doing foster care after everyone left, but I don't feel that calling right now. So I don't know, perhaps maybe later, but... And I guess I mean, if your life started all over again, Mm -hmm. would you do the same thing? Yes. Okay. Yes and yes. And I wished it would have happened sooner Mm -hmm. so we could have had them in our lives. You know, and just on my end of it, watching her being her roommate in college way before she ever met her husband and watching her and being a good friend to her through this whole process. If you had all those kids together, you would never know. You would never know. They are very blended. I've watched and heard and listened to a lot of good things, but they have become such good kids and they're sweethearts and they feel belonging. They know where their home is. I imagine that's very true. Well, Dawn... I appreciate you sharing your story today, and it's one of those stories that will resonate with people, especially mothers, and I so appreciate the work that a mother does for their children, and you stepped up and did it for your children and your nieces and nephews, and I just applaud you for that, and I know that the Lord will continue to bless you. He blesses me every day, and the blessing is seeing my children prosper in their lives. That's the blessing. Seeing how they are taking off and how they're starting their own families and Mm. the blessing that having a large family has given them. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Dawn and Zoanne, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And to my listeners, remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. (laughs) Bye-bye.